I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Chris Avena with American Outdoor News. Today we have uh, Sheriff Mark Lamb from Arizona. Mark, always great to see you. Good to see you too, Chris. And I apologize uh, for uh, a couple times and uh, even struggled to get this one going today. So I apologize. It happens. It happens. Now, um, I I know you were just in Washington uh, not too long ago uh, to testify on what's going on the border. Um, what is going on on the border? It's a disaster. It's a complete and utter disaster. Uh, you know, the, 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 the cartels making more money than they've ever made. They're trafficking humans and drugs. And, um, we see it every day coming through our communities. What happens in our backyard is going to be in your backyard tomorrow. It's not designed to stay in Arizona or Texas or New Mexico or California. Um, their product, which is humans and drugs. So, sorry, I had to turn off my alarm telling me I had this uh, this interview. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's a disaster. And look at the, the fentanyl, which is coming across, and I know we're going to talk more about that, has become the, the leading cause of death here in America amongst Americans between the ages of 18 and 45. I mean, fentanyl's coming across in droves, and they haven't done a thing to stop it. Um is the answer getting rid of Mayorkas? Is it getting rid of Biden? Is it revamping our border, sealing it up? I mean, you, Arizona, they they closed up the border with um, shipping containers. And, and they made you take it down. Why? Yeah. Well, because they're not, they don't really want to secure the border. And that should tell people exactly that. You know, the fact that we put those shipping containers up to help secure our border and they made us take it down. And the reason why is because the majority of what's uh, on Arizona's borders does not belong to private citizens. A lot of that belongs to uh, the uh, government. So it's federal land. So they're they're able to say, hey, take that off that federal land. Um, 
it, yeah, it is Biden's fault. It's uh, Mayorkas as well. You know, I, I, I met with Mayorkas, very nice man. Um, but ultimately, you know, uh, there's a failure at the, at the border. And so people have to be held accountable. And you usually hold the people at the top accountable or you should. No, and is so it, could, they don't they don't desire to fix it. Now, do we point the finger at Mayorkas being that it's his job or is he a slave to the powers that be telling him what to do? Well, I think he is a slave to the powers that be, but I think as a law enforcement, you know, you always have that, you've always got that stopgap where you've got to say, no, this is not appropriate. We cannot do this. And if you want me to do it, you're going to have to find somebody else to do it. You know, I think that's what I, all of us in law enforcement would like to see uh, as opposed to just doing the bidding of this administration. I think that Mayorkas is strong enough to stand up to the president and say, no, this isn't right for the country. It's not right for Border Patrol. It's not right for any of this. That is what I would like to see. Um, but I think their their long-term agenda is to reinvent America. They told you they wanted to reinvent America in 2019, 2020. Mm -hmm. And they are reinventing America, both by the amount of people coming in here and just also undermining the rule of law, which I think is one of the, the main uh, reasons for them opening the borders is to undermine the rule of law. Now, we're not just seeing people from Mexico and Latin America. We're seeing people from countries all over the world, China, um, and some countries we've never even heard of. Where the hell are these people coming from? How do they get the money to come here? Well, they're coming from all those different countries, you know. Uh, depends on which sector you go to. We're in the Tucson sector, so what we get are predominantly Mexican males, um, a lot of them work directly for the cartels or are, are transporting drugs or have criminal histories here in this country, so they can't come back through the ports. Um, and then you've got people from, what, 100, they've had as much as 140 countries in a year. I think they're already up to close to 100 countries. A lot of Russians, Ukrainians, Chinese, mm -hmm. uh, people from the Middle East, people from Haiti, Brazil. I mean, they're coming from all over. And I, you know, your that question of where they come up with the money is a is a great question because it costs anywhere between let's say five or six thousand dollars, normally up to about fifteen thousand dollars. But depending on which country you're from, maybe China, you could go up to fifty thousand dollars is what wow. it would cost. Now you, you see Americans here struggling with the economy to to save any money. How are these people putting together five, ten, twenty thousand dollars to fly around the world? and come across the border where are they getting it they were well, you know Chris, can't be any better than ours if you were to look around your house or whatever and say look i'm going to sell everything i have and look a lot of their folks those folks their houses their cars they don't have loans on them so they own them free and clear and so they make make the decision to sell everything to be able to come up here to this country um and they think right now because of joe biden and his policies that their chances of getting into america are the best that they've ever been, which they're not wrong. So look, they're gonna they're willing to sacrifice, sell that. They know the money goes to the cartels. You know, they know that there's going to be a tax that's going to be paid. Um, and then if they don't have the money, then what ha happens is the cartels will basically enslave them. They'll extort the men. They'll force the men or women to carry drugs. They'll put the women into the sex trade, the children into the sex trade. So. There's different ways that they can go about this, or they'll allow their children to be used for pawn, as pawns in this whole uh, trade. So 
there's just a lot of bad things going on with the cartels. They have zero regard for human life. What comes down to is people of currency. Yeah. So now with the fentanyl, how does it put you and your men and the people at the border in danger? Well, we just had an exposure the other day for one of our deputies. Um, you know, it's a very dangerous deal because when we're coming across huge loads of fentanyl, powdered fentanyl, fentanyl pills, now we're seeing that it's in all the other drugs. We're yep. seeing new things like carfentanil, xylazine. These are newer drugs that are even more dangerous. Uh, yeah, it's alarming for us. And it's something that we worry about every day, but we also believe in protecting uh, other people. And so it hasn't stopped us from showing up to work knowing that we might have to run into a domestic violence situation that's that's dangerous or a burning car. It's no different for stopping the drugs and the people coming into this country uh, illegally. We have to put our lives on the line every day, and it's a risk that we've kind of adopted. Well, people are dying in record numbers for fentanyl. Uh, how do you protect your people? You know, coming in contact with this, confiscating it or coming onto a scene where somebody might have OD'd on fentanyl. How do you protect your people? Well, we give all of our people Narcan. Um, you know, the Narcan is really for them, and we tell them if they if they choose to use it on somebody else, that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the Narcan, I carry Narcan for myself as well. Um, you know, it's something that we, it's now become a commonplace in our business to, to carry Narcan with you because of the effect that it might have on us. If your job wasn't dangerous enough, you got to throw this into the mix. Exactly. Now, th there's a lot of kidnappings of Americans um, that are in Mexico now. Um, what are we doing about that? You know, that Americans are supposed to be able to travel freely and feel protected by their government. That's not happening. You know, no. You know, I don't think that people feel very secure. And here's the deal is a lot of those those tourist towns uh, in places like Mexico are controlled by the cartels. And so what happens is Americans get in the mix of of being in places where the cartels are very active. You know, where there's money there, you're going to find the cartels. And in those cities where there's hotels and a lot of tourist attractions, there's an opportunity to make a lot of money. And so um, unfortunately, the the people sometimes get caught up in the middle of it. You know, we saw those four Americans recently. I don't think anybody knows the true reason of why they were down there, but that doesn't matter. The fact is they were kidnapped by the cartels as American citizens, and ultimately two of them were found dead. Yep. And uh, our administration has done nothing to uh, seek retribution or uh, make people feel safer about traveling. Uh, no. You know, Look, I think we should declare them terrorist organizations. They are terrorist organizations. They strike terror and fear into the hearts of people that are being trafficked by them every day, um, by the parents of those who have lost loved ones from fentanyl, uh, or by any parent whose son or daughter may be, uh, you know, being affected by, or family member maybe being affected by addiction issues, um, and just the violence that they've used, and that spilled over not only on into America as well. I think they they certainly qualify as being terrorists, you know, striking fear into the hearts of mm -hmm. Americans. You know that ability that would give us the ability to use some parts of our military to actually eradicate this. 
we could do this in no time, you know, using our special forces, other people, we could make a, we could make this problem go away and, uh, and hopefully join us with it. Uh, I mean, it's not a border town situation anymore because every state is a border town now. Uh, the, the cartels are, uh, planted as cells all over the country now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, if you are, if they sell drugs in your neighborhood, you likely have cartels in your area. Um, they don't work on good faith. They don't go, hey, we'll ship you uh, uh, 10 pounds of fentanyl pills. And, and whenever you sell them, just send us money, the money back. You know, we'll, we'll work on good faith. That's yeah. not how they work. Uh, they make sure that their product arrives to the people that are ultimately going to sell it. And they make sure they collect the money on the backside. Now, what about guns coming across the border? We don't see as many guns coming across the border. We do have people now, we're starting to see more and more guns involved in trafficking, whether it's Americans taking guns down as they go pick up people at the border to bring them back up to, let's say, Phoenix. Mm -hmm. um, there are coyotes or, or, or you know, cartel scouts that have guns. Um, but most of the guns that we see involved in this cartel activity are actually guns going back to Mexico, mm -hmm. um, guns being trafficked back into their country. Which is still dangerous. Look, we don't want to put it as many. We don't want guns in the hands of those those crazy guys down there that are that are killing each other like crazy down there in Mexico. It'd be cartel to cartel, you know. So it's basically Americans arming the cartel in making money in the process. I wouldn't say it's Americans. I would say that they are taking advantage of of being able to buy guns, um, you know, from people here or whatever or using American citizens to buy guns and then paying them a good amount of money to get those guns from them. Basically a straw purchase is what that would be yeah. um, doing it. They're doing it a lot of different ways, but I wouldn't say they're using, they're just using our, uh, our American system to be able to bring guns into their country. Well, here's, here's a good question. Why are non-citizens allowed to buy guns in our country? Well, I don't know if that, I've never tried to buy a gun as a non-citizen. I've been a citizen. <laughs> I've never had an issue. I know they ask those questions, and I don't know that they can buy guns if they're not citizens. They would probably have to have some special permits. That's beyond me um, yeah. because I don't. I'm not a big. Uh, I'm a pro, very pro Second Amendment guy. So um, I think uh, that we've infringed that right way too much as it is. Well, the Second Amendment applies to american citizens it right apply to, exactly. don't apply to foreign nationals or illegal immigrants same as buying property you can't buy property in mexico you could lease it 99 year lease but you're not able to buy it why are they able to buy it here <laughs> yeah and i'm not sure that they can i mean i know there's questions on that uh, 4473 that asks about it, whether you're a citizen or not well china seems to be buying up a lot of property oh yeah for sure. Now, uh, there was recently a shooting in Denver, school shooting. And I'm sure you're going to see uh, them come out in droves about stricter gun laws, um, as they always do. They always politicize a, a shooting. Uh, a stricter gun law is going to prohibit something like this from happening? No. No, unfortunately, a lot of the shootings that you have are already 
um, in areas where they already have very strict gun laws. Mm -hmm. uh, and they've, it, you know, it's very deceiving to the American public. And look, the, I'm not trying to minimize the deaths that were involved in a, in a school shooting. Those are tragic. Um, and those are more about mental health. We're, we're having a tough time corralling mental health. Um, I always use this as an example. I could take my gun. Uh, I had somebody, a reporter from uh, the, across the pond in the, from the UK and talking to me about guns. And I took my gun out and I set it on the, the tailgate of the truck. And I said, look, if nobody touches that gun for a hundred years, that gun will never harm a soul. It will never touch. It will never hurt anybody. Yep. It's not hurt people. It's people who hurt people. In most cases, the guns were illegally acquired or, or they took them from a parent or they took them from somebody else that are being used in those crimes. And you go into the cities, a lot of those guns are all illegally acquired. So those are all situations where uh, gun laws wouldn't have fixed it. Now, to put it into perspective, on the average, there's about 450 rifle deaths a year, or, or murders a year, homicides involving what uh, would be like an AR-15 or some, some other weapon. Um, there are 107,000 Americans that were poisoned by fentanyl. So as a sheriff, do you want me to focus on fentanyl or the 450 deaths in a country of 350 million people with 20 million plus rifles? Mm -hmm. I just I mean, I, I think we're misguided and I think we're misleading the American people as to just what the issues are in this country. Really, it's a mental health issue. Well, I think in this particular case, uh, it's something that they were well aware of. They had to pat this kid down every day when he came to school. Why was he allowed into the school to begin with? And secondly, it's not an issue of uh, law-abiding citizens owning guns. What are we going to do to keep the guns out of criminals' hands? Why don't we focus on that instead of restricting our rights? That's a great idea. I, look, I don't know what the details were of this case in Denver uh, with the kid. I don't know what the background was. Um, and you know, we have laws in place that restrict those folks. It should restrict the people with mental health issues, uh, the criminals from getting the guns. They're going to get these guns whether you have laws in place or not. Yeah. Um, but pass laws, laws typically just restrict the law-abiding citizens. The criminals are already not following the laws. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in uh, I think that comes down to the judicial system in general as well. I mean, you got people like Alvin Bragg. I'm, I'm in New York. Um, here's a guy that's DA in New York, or was until the other day, um, grandstanding, looking to make a statement, trying to arrest former President Trump instead of taking care of crime on the streets, the common criminal. Crime is off the charts here in New York. Why isn't he, why, was, why wasn't he doing his job about putting the common criminal in jail? Well, sadly, we're seeing the politicization of, of law enforcement in this country. You know, and even, you know, people get frustrated with me because even in Arizona, you know, you have people frustrated with the voting and all these different things. And they just want you to go arrest people because they think, that something was a, a foul, but mm -hmm. in the end, it still requires evidence. You know, our job in law enforcement is black and white. It's can I prove? Can I put enough evidence together to be able to go after somebody? This is what the burden of proof should have been out there for the for Alvin Bragg. In mm -hmm. my understanding, a lot of these cases where these cases are still being pushed forward, 
you know, the county attorney may have passed up on it. You know, somebody else may have passed up on it. And then they're still coming back and charging these people. So we've got to we've got to stop the weaponization of law enforcement in this country. And I think this was a perfect example. The, this this was a nationally highlighted incident, you know, issue where uh, somebody politically would look like they were going after somebody else, especially even in the even if they did have a crime that occurred, it would look like it was a misdemeanor at best that the that the uh, uh, statute of limitations had expired. There was a lot of issues with this case in the first place. Yeah, uh, but it looked like they pushed it forward. So I, I think we're in a dangerous place in this country where we allow that weaponization of law enforcement. Well, uh, I think we're in for a rough ride over the next year and a half um, till election time rolls around again. And we're going to have to wait and see what happens. <laughs> no, I agree. I think we're in for a definitely rough ride. Look, the economy is going to is declining. Um, you know, we are seeing more and more issues pop up every day. Um, it, there's just a lot going on that are just very concerning to a lot of American people. And as they should be, look, I, I just think we're, we're heading in the wrong direction as this country. I think day by day, more and more Americans are realizing that. Well, I know, um, you know, I'm, I'm an older guy uh, growing up in this country. It's not the same country. And I'm, Sure, you'll uh, you have your own views on that as well. I do. I feel the same way. You know, this wasn't like it was when we were growing up. And I tell our kids all the time, I was like, I'm sorry. You know, we grew up in a very different America. And now, you know, these kids are faced with something different. And a lot of things have changed that social media, the ability to that just the their ability to watch the federal government's overreach there, how they've been infiltrated into really push their way into areas where the founding fathers never designed them to be. Mm -hmm. I think the states have given up because for money or for grants or whatever it be, the states have given up a lot of their rights, which is not what this founding fathers set this country up to be. This was designed to have states' rights. Federal government was there to assist the states and provide for a common defense. And uh, we just have really gotten away from that. And the federal government now is trying to do everything for us. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, now, we're kind of running out of time, but I want to thank you for coming on and taking the time to speak to us. I know you were a little under the weather last week. Uh, where can we find you? Uh, I'm on Instagram. It's Amer Instagram. It's American Sheriff. On Facebook, it's Sheriff Lamb. And you can get my books. I have two books, American Sheriff, Traditional Values in a Modern World, and American Sheriff, Rules to Live By, which is based on the poem by Rudyard Kipling, if, and I tell stories of the founding fathers of hope and courage and determination. Uh, but you can get both of those books and my wife's books at americansheriff.store. Uh, I'll sign them and send them out. So that's americansheriff.store. You can get them on Amazon too. They just don't come signed. Um, I have both of them. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I just appreciate you having me on today. So come check me out. And I promise you guys, I, I'm a person of hope. Look, we still live in the greatest country in the world. That's why... Hundreds of thousands of people are trying to cross our border every month. Uh, they still want a piece of the American dream. Uh, but we've got to really, we've got to wake up and we've got to take our country back. And we've got to vote people in that are going to be good stewards. They're going to be good representatives that understand that they serve we the people, not we're not their subservience. Um, so mm -hmm. we've got work to do on our end, but we still live in the greatest country in the world.
I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, are you going to be at the NRA convention? I am not. We actually have something called Country Thunder that goes on in the same week. Um, so it's all hands on deck here. Four days of uh, Country Music Festival. Our, uh, we got about 30 to 40 to 50,000 people uh, extra in our, our little town here that, uh, for a week. So I'll be all hands on deck for that. All right, well, if you need some extra muscle, let me know. <laughs> Thanks again, Mark. I appreciate you coming. For being patient with me. No problem. Hold on. Bye, we love our children. We protect them. We guide them. We prepare them for life in the world. With all that we do, from deep in our hearts, we cannot control all things. Life-threatening illnesses and disabilities affect far too many of our children each year. While we cannot change the circumstance, we can make dreams come true. Dreams to provide hope, to provide spiritual healing and strength, to provide moments of happiness and relief in the hardest of times. We can give a glimmer of light and hope in a time of darkness and despair. Join huntofalifetime.org to help make dreams come true, to provide hope for children with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nonprofit organization fulfilling dreams for hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Visit huntofalifetime.org to learn how you can make a difference.